Hey everybody, welcome to Don't Sit in the Front. Hope you're having a relaxing holiday weekend, how best you can. For this week's episode, I had the very funny, the wonderful Jen Saunderson return to give me some updates about her life since the world opened back up. The last time we talked was January, and things were very different, uh, not only for comedy, but also just for her life. So since then, she's become a mom, changed jobs, and been able to go back out on the road. So we talk a little bit about that. She did some dates with Jenny Zagrino. You should follow Jen uh, at Jen Saunderson on all the things. She's also very funny on TikTok. And she's one of the three hosts of one of my favorite podcasts, a horror movie and comedy podcast, Everything is Scary. She does that with Kyle Clark and Amy Drolet. Yeah, Jen was a real good energy on the first time she was on and kind of, yeah, I just remember her episode in particular pushed me to keep going through that first pandemic winter and keep doing the podcast. She was very encouraging at that time and was nice and mentioned my podcast over on her podcast. And yeah, she's just a good friend and ally of the pod. So we had a lovely conversation. Hope you enjoy it. I've been pretty busy but I think things might be settling down a little bit. Moved into our new house. Uh, We'll see what happens. Probably not gonna have people over to record for a while until we find out what happens with these variants, but I don't know. I'm looking into doing more of like stand-up history type episodes, look at more representations of stand-up. And I know from the early history of this podcast, whatever happens, it'll be a nice outlet to have if we have to go back inside for a little bit. But I hope everyone's staying safe. Get your boosters. And hope you have a decent holiday weekend. So please enjoy this episode with the return of Jen Saunderson. don't sit in the front i have a very funny comic and podcaster i like a lot jen saunderson has returned hello (laughs) (laughs) i never know when to say anything because i'm like is there more (laughs) yeah i well i'll i'll give your social media handles and everything in an intro before but uh yes jen saunderson very funny comic as also the podcast, Everything is Scary, a horror podcast I like a lot. She does that with Kyle Clark and Amy Drolet. And Jen, hello. How are you doing? The last time we talked was January. So that's been <laughs> 10 months uh, so coming out of a, thinking we were coming out of a pandemic, kind of going back into it for a bit. Uh, you've done, a, a, I think you've been through and done a lot in those 10 months. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking about January until now. Like, uh, so since then, I've had a baby, was hospitalized with preeclampsia after having the baby, thought I was going to die, uh, <laughs> figured out breastfeeding, failed at that, uh, got a new job, 
looked for a house, mm. uh, went to do shows back home in Seattle, got a, like in escrow for a house, have a seven month old that I'm planning on taking a trip back to Seattle in a plane during a pandemic. So I haven't been up to shit. I'm like, yeah. I'm not doing nothing. <laughs> I'm Blando. Do you, what is your, maybe you don't have that. What is your coping mechanism with all of that? What is your, what's a little, what's a little escape from that? Or are you just like fully in it? You have to go through all of it. I mean, I would say there is a couple things. Like my husband has been amazing. Uh, I have, uh, because I can't be with all of my gal friends, we have a nice text chain that we're all kind of doing the same things. Um, like everybody's talking about houses and just life. And that's, that's nice. Cause if I'm not, if I'm not dealing with something, I can help them when they're dealing with something. And that's mm. nice um, to be there for one another. Uh, also horror movies. Like if I, if I can just watch, Horror movies. I've been going with Amy Drolet to the New Beverly mm. a lot for Grindhouse Tuesdays, and that has been huge. Like we love doing that. I went with a bunch of gals to go see Houseu, uh, which mm-hmm. is that amazing '70s Japanese horror movie that's just bonkers, and I love it so much. And to expose a bunch of ladies to Houseu, uh-huh. <laughs> I've I, it's been a long time. I have to revisit it as sort of a, a uh, an adult i think i was exposed to that very young when like other friends were more into asian horror and stuff and mm-hmm. i was kind of like uh, i don't know what that is but i'm just put <laughs> off by it yeah but um oh so you did you want to say anything about uh, everything is scary that your podcast so you've been you've added a cast member <laughs> added uh, another yeah. host amy Drolet. it's grown a lot You've done, they've also kind of expanded out to do extra episodes on Fridays with Amy and Frankie is the guy that helps out yeah. with all of that. Yeah, I, I absolutely adore Amy and she's become one of my closest friends and getting to chat with her about films, especially films that like are focused more on issues pertaining to women gets really exciting to have those chats with her mm. and um I love going to the movies with her too. It's a nice escape because my husband will watch the baby and then I can go completely escape in like theater land without worrying about getting any messages from the uh, baby monitor or anything like that. Mm. And I love that her focus of movies is so vastly different than mine. Mm-hmm. Like she goes for like really body horror crazy type films that I personally wouldn't have sought out. So it's, it's really exciting when I get to have a recommendation from Amy. Cause I'm like, I know this is going to be top caliber. Like I know the <laughs> practical effects are going to just be Mwah, chef's kiss. And mm. <laughs> that uh, there really is rarely a moment where I'm like, Amy, you have set me down the wrong path. <laughs> <laughs> and she, yeah, I think, from hearing some of the titles that she talks about, there's things that are more shocking, upsetting, body horror, um, but it has like a fun affinity for them. It's yes. not as much my 
Well, I don't know. We'll see. We're changing all the time. We'll see what our our tastes do and change. But I'm a little more of a horror newbie in that. And then I think through listening to your podcast, I'm exposed to more things off the beaten path a little bit. So I like it for that. Amy's not a comic or did she work in comedy and stuff? Or? No, no. I met her through Kyle for uh, horror, uh, horror trivia. Mm-hmm. And then her and I... Um, she lives, uh, she lives in Eastern, like East LA or not East LA, East Hollywood. Mm. And we just had an outing where we were walking around Los Feliz, which is my neighborhood Mm. for the time being. (laughs) And, um, there was an ice cream shop next to the Vista theater, which is now, uh, owned by Tarantino and is Mm. under remodeling, I believe. And we had been doing some thrift shopping and, uh, just, hanging out and we went in for some ice cream and there was this gentleman who was very actively hitting on her uh-huh. and commenting on her uh, Simpsons tattoos. Cause she loves Simpsons and Kyle hosts Simpsons trivia. Yeah. And you know, when somebody's hitting on you and you don't catch it, but everybody else around you catches mm-hmm. it. And I did. So as we were walking out, uh, <laughs> I was like, did you, did you like that guy, Amy? <laughs> She's like, yeah, I did. I kind of like it. Sorry. <laughs> That's my Amy voice. Yeah, I think I did. <laughs> I was like, That's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> I love her so much. <laughs> I was like, well, then go talk to him. Give him your number. And she did. And they've been together for, I want to say, like two or more years now. Oh, wow. <laughs> So, hmm. well, yeah. I, I wondered if she is. A, I didn't think she was a co- she's very funny, but she's also mm. kind of has like a different approach, a little like more no nonsense of get to yes. talking about the film. Whereas you and Kyle, if left to your own devices, it seemed like you're just kind of ah, ah, eventually you're talking about comedy. <laughs> and yeah, so I think, yeah. yeah, the everything is scary is the podcast. They put out episodes every Saturday. It's I like it. I listen to it every week. It's like a great way to start. I it's I almost always have my Saturday morning coffee listening to the new episode. Um, That's so and nice. Thank you. It's kind of been revamped a little bit. You guys added like horror news. So you learn things through it. Um, they kind of share their favorite things in horror that they might have seen that week and yeah i really like that you've stuck with that through the pandemic and it is growing now so um you also i like to hear updates from comics because i have this kind of interview style where i ask everybody the same set of questions and i've added some since you were on one of them is do you think comedy is back or does it still have an asterisk (laughs) i mean um I feel like last weekend I went to, they just started doing this thing where it's an all female comedy open mic at the improv with the booker Rita Mm. watching and everything. It's really nurturing and kind and it was packed. So that was really exciting to see. And I think I only recognized three of the comics. Oh yeah. uh, Having started comedy like 14 years ago, which even then it's not, like I'm not like from starting from the seventies or the eighties, but when I started, there were few women and to be able to see an entire room packed with women, my heart was singing, just so thrilled by that. Um, I mean, a lot of my friends now, like they are, their schedules are packed with comedy. 
uh, and tour dates and festivals are starting up again. So I feel like, I feel like comedy is back. Even the people that were canceled are still oh. coming back <laughs> and still selling out shows, much to the annoyance of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> There's something about like, uh, something about that metaphor of the tide, like the tides and the boats and all boats will rise. But it's like, but we, we really did want to sink some of those. Like, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to need a bigger cancel. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I had to think too, that there were, if there was sort of the comedy scene as I saw it before the pandemic and the people I was used to seeing, and there were some new faces and other people coming and going, but because that's who I followed, then you saw a lot of people being super bitter, rightfully so. And just through the pandemic of, is it gone forever? That kind of thing. And then coming back to it, though, now you have all these maybe very young comics or at least not in their age, but they're new to comedy. And there have to be some people who completely started it online, which I think is interesting. And then there was a I could already feel a backlash or a pushback of being like, well, it's not the same thing as doing a Zoom show or uh, all on TikTok or YouTube or whatever. But then I still see some very people that are new to it that are kind of blowing me away like just kind of like who are any of these people when I went to some shows so that's exciting right yeah I think you bring up a really interesting uh a point because I just I think it's it's really odd the whole TikTok thing where somebody can blow up with mm-hmm. millions and millions of followers and you look at their you look, they're like I'm a comedian and you look at their videos and you're like but you're just reacting to people you can't oh. do that on stage <laughs> like that's a, no or like w- my husband was getting very unnerved when I would show him videos where people would take my voice and the things I was saying and oh, it would yeah. be lip syncing to them he's like mm. I don't like that like it's like demons <laughs> <laughs> what's happening here so. I think there's a weird shift in what people consider comedy. Um, I'm hoping that people who started online or on TikTok are going to open mics to really fine tune their craft. And because um, I, I, I just feel like I, I feel like there could be a lot of hurt feelings for some folks because you get that immediate satisfaction on TikTok of the likes and stuff. But mm-hmm. no. People aren't, people don't like you on stage. They have to laugh. Or as a less expressive person, and I've talked about this a lot on the podcast of someone maybe in the front row, arms folded, kind of chuckles here and there. And if you were to talk to them after they had a great time, you just, yeah. but they're not doing the basic ha ha ha, like kind of laugh out loud that you're expecting or that you get feedback from. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, but then the other, when the, the other thing I hear, or I think when I hear that criticism of it's not the same as doing a zoom show is like, I think those were much harder and demoralizing. Yeah. So, but you did yeah. get to do some in per, you were doing a lot of zoom. Uh, you were, you were hosting for the nowhere comedy club, some shows, right? Yeah. you got an amazing memory. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Um, but then, so, but you've been able to go back and do some things in person. So yeah. I asked comics, how was, what was your, what were you thinking before, during, and after your first 
time back on stage? I think the first time, like I, I did, I went, I don't want to say on the road cause it was just one weekend, but I went home to Seattle. My, my friend was opening up a comedy club at the time in Ballard, which is a neighborhood there. And I think my initial hesitance was, <laughs> I hate to out myself here, whiteboards. When you have mom's mom brain after giving mm. a, giving birth and you're forgetting things, whiteboards in the distance from a Zoom show are amazing. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that in mm. the live show. You can't have bullet points of what you want to do. So I was very nervous about that. And you're dealing with people looking at you from multiple angles with zoom. It's almost like you're filming a, a movie. Sorry. Mm. Oh no. A cat's trying to eat a box behind me. Get out of here. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, just didn't want you to hear all the, the chewing noises, mm. but with zoom, I control what you see. Like I can get really close. I can step away. I can really use the space Whereas in person, the stage is the space and you can't control the angle you're being looked at. You can't control if somebody can see your face completely or not. Mm -hmm. So delivery, I think, is is completely different. Um, and you're not waiting to make sure everybody's different internet speeds <laughs> like, right. so uh, the responses are in real time and that's incredibly nice mm. and then how was it going on the road though because like did you greatly miss that whole aspect of it like, aside from the performance part but going traveling to do a show or does it now feel like a bit of a chore like you want to do it because you can get paid to do that but is it everybody kind of had this process of becoming more of a homebody mm -hmm. uh, if you were able to stay home through the pandemic but right uh so when i went home uh it was very it was kind of emotional for me because um i had i'm my home, what I consider home, even though I live in California, I bought a place in California. Home mm. to me is still the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. And all I wanted to do while I was pregnant was have a Dick's Burger. All I wanted to do was have tartar sauce because they can't make it down here. It's trash. Mm. <laughs> like I just That's wanted interesting to go to home. think of a better tartar sauce because it's not something I pay attention to. But if someone's doing it very well, I'm intrigued. <laughs> dicks drive it i love their tartar sauce i bought a bunch of the little packets to bring home mm. and um i grew up on an island that i just wanted to visit so bad because every year i go back i have my ice cream i walk my pier uh that leads to this little uh building at the end of the pier and i overlook the water in puget sound it's every year i do this mm. it's very important to me and i haven't been able to do it for a long time so going on the road, being nervous because I also have a baby at home. So like I was double masking, which is so fun. And <laughs> I got to get out of the car to this farmer's market that I've known my entire childhood. And I got out and I started, I walked out barefoot to this field of sunflowers and I just openly started sobbing because I just missed home so much and comedy gave me a reason to get to come home mm. 
and it mm-hmm. felt like I was coming home to comedy and I was coming home to just what I miss the most. And I think I'm getting dorky here. But like, <laughs> no, this like is emotional. great. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, oh yeah, okay, sunflowers. <laughs> but like, just- no, that's that's my whole thing is, um, yeah, I don't know how to sound like not sanctimonious, but I think stand-up comedy is its own special thing that we can dork about, dork out about the details of it it, itself. But I just think it also is a conduit for people to always just be kind of reflecting on and talking about their experience as they see the world. And you can get through the same form, so many people filling it with different content and from their different perspectives. So like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've heard that before um, through interviewing people. Being able to travel with comedy is such a interesting yeah. aspect of it. Mo- a lot of jobs don't let you do that, so yeah, I definitely miss think- home, and I can definitely relate to the things you do. You got to do every year when you got to visit, and you couldn't do that for that year. So yeah, and I think also like my comedy has changed so much after having a baby, and after having a baby, I think I've shared the story online a little bit, but I haven't shared it um, on many podcasts. I think just one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But after having had lay my daughter, um, about a day went by, I developed like complications with preeclampsia and I had to go back into the hospital for three days because I could have had like a stroke or a seizure. Mm-hmm. So my sister had that. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, there's so much about pregnancy that I feel like they just don't share with people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Oh, we'll cross that bridge. When we get there, it's like, I would like to know before I get on the bridge. Like, yeah. <laughs> just, I think that would be very helpful mm-hmm. <laughs> to make these decisions. And like we had also had all these complications with her in October before I had given birth, like just like, is she going to be healthy? Um, All these red flags had popped up. So it was just a very, very emotional ride. So being able to go home and knowing I'm going to do like 15 minutes on having this baby that's healthy and I want to keep her healthy and it's just very emotional and cathartic so cathartic to be able to share just all these new jokes about having a kid and connecting with an audience in a different way because I mean hopefully as a comedian your material is evolving as you evolve as a person I mean nobody wants to see some guy in their 70s being like you know my dick in my 20s right like nobody wants that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> have i yeah. seen that i have <laughs> but, just kept you know. the same set it's like how uh like uh i know like my grandparents and people talk about it, they kind of got their clothing that they were gonna wear from the probably like their 40s really stopped and they just right. stayed through so my grandpa had like amazing like very 70s argyle socks and stuff so they just kind of kept that that's cute and endearing when it's that but it is not cute and endearing when someone is has not changed their views on anything or is just kind of spewing out this stuff in into their late career yeah and and I found it to be like just being a, a woman on stage too like you see other women kind of 
reposition themselves in their seats. Like you see them kind of take a sigh of relief mm-hmm. at times because not all like hashtag, not all men, um, like, <laughs> like, not all guys do this, but my friend and I went to an open mic and we made a bingo chart of just the oh. things that some certain guys in a certain age bracket will talk about and you get bingo most of the time because <laughs> like, mm. a lot of these little items get knocked off like oh she's a bitch like okay then b9 like <laughs> um, oh like my Sad, dick, but right? it could Ooh. be a pretty fun game i always like when there's a little bit of a game to the social interaction that you don't want to be part of or something <laughs> yeah it makes it go by faster and and you start kind of rooting for it. Like, Oh, please say something transphobic. I want to win. Well, I, okay. So I, so I have since, since the last time we talked, I'll be able to go back and see a lot of shows in person. So that's been great. It's been, I have such a greater appreciation for it after the pandemic and then doing the podcast, learning more about stand up, talking to comics we've been back at it where I can go to outdoor shows and stuff long enough where you start to get some negative experiences. Again, the honeymoon phase is over. Uh, so I yeah. remember seeing, I remember, I wonder if you've seen this. I don't remember his name. I won't say it anyway. A comic who I could tell that he had his, he was very much a club comic. However you identify that. Mm-hmm. What well, had his like club set, which had, homophobia transphobia all these things but had these little tags to flip it a little bit at the end to be like but maybe i'm just kidding or something and it it was like it was like you knew he could switch that on with those tags to make it seem okay at a more alt whatever kind of space Uh, so i wonder if you've seen people perform in that you see around and you see them perform not naming any names but you see them in different spaces where they change their material to fit the audience like that i mean definitely people will change their material maybe not the entirety of their material but they might omit certain jokes um Mm -hmm. just because they maybe the audience skews younger so maybe you don't talk about like buying a house and shit (laughs) but like i i can't stand when people make transphobic or homophobic jokes or any of that crap it really really bothers me i will say on the opposite well i I should clarify they flip it in a way that they bring up the topic to Mm -hmm. say something humorous about that conversation happening now in our society but ultimately i don't feel that the joke comes down to and it might be oversimplification it is not punching up it it does come back to a ambiguous if not punching down on those marginalized people so that's why i feel yeah. like about it i mean it sounds like they're trying to do one of those really lame like not like type yeah. of jokes <laughs> <laughs> which is like oh great it, this is um amazing writing you're really breaking boundaries by just really putting your feet in the ground that you're an asshole like mm-hmm. just, i haven't personally seen that i i find that i've been very fortunate to be in rooms that are more inclusive mm-hmm. um that have a more diverse makeup of comics and have a variety of voices and i think that if somebody were to do something like that i would hope if it wasn't myself but other comics would be like hey maybe don't do that shit yeah. <laughs> sometimes something happens where the audience is also very 
they get quiet, it's, they're not responding to it. Right. The comic can then comment on that and sort of has their canned different, that makes it sound negative. It's like, you got to have your tools, right? It has their things to come back to and be like, oh, I'm not doing well, I'm bombing. And then mm-hmm. kind of lightens the audience up because they're laughing at that. It releases some of the tension and gets their momentum back. Right. Sometimes there's that silence going on though, but comics in the back of the room, not necessarily for this like transphobic or homophobic example I'm giving, but the comics bombing audience is quiet. Comics are laughing really hard at what they're doing. Cause they yes. either, <laughs> they either they are laughing at them bombing or are laughing at, cause they see a deeper thing that we don't quite get, or they know how hard it would be to dig out of that. Yeah. And it, yeah, <laughs> I, I have this automatic laugh that comes out when I am offended and I think what someone's doing is awful. It mm. just comes out. <laughs> it just comes out like this big loud whistle yeah. and it has happened at open mics like at the improv and i've watched comics go like they like rightfully so i shouldn't do it it does happen and it's kind of a reflex at this point it's and I've half watched of comics a, go off on me like, and i'm like yeah no that's right but you're also <laughs> awful <laughs> It's like half of the Nelson laugh from Simpsons. So it, it is, you are letting them know you don't like that, but in a trickier way. Yeah, it's like, well, we're supposed to laugh, but am I laughing? Yeah. I'm not. Like, I'm kind of, my hand is just like, fuck off. <laughs> oh, I've been asking a newer question too is, what do you wish more audiences understood? Another way I've phrased it as, Sometimes you hear the phrase, never blame the audience, but I would add never blame the audience, but what? Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I try very hard not to blame the audience. Uh, Zoom shows. I would say you could at times because you're like, yeah, everyone's freaking muted. Blame the audience. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't hear them. That's a blame. <laughs> like, mm. But in person, uh, unless something horrific happened beforehand, like one time I was doing a show and the fire alarm literally went off and I had to I had to evacuate everyone to safety into the parking lot and I continued doing my set when we were out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm like, all right, everybody, find a buddy. Let's get out there. And as I was saying <laughs> about my dad, like just, you know, like that's kind of a, we've come through this all together as a family. But I really feel like in that situation, as well as the one we were talking about before with just being kind of tone deaf and not understanding culture. Mm -hmm. And um, I think almost like you vote with your dollars, you vote with your laughter. If somebody Mm -hmm. is completely oblivious, like I've seen comics like I destroyed and and I watched their set and I'm like, you got one laugh in three minutes Mm. like that's a whole nother level you can't they'll hopefully figure that shit out that Mm -hmm. you know maybe maybe they're doing something wrong but if you're not getting laughs you're not getting like they're voting with their laughter of if Mm -hmm. they approve of that joke and that material or not 
And it's up to you as a comedian, unless it's like part of your setup to reevaluate and to either take it out completely, retool it, or maybe consider some things. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Wait, and then how were the shows with, yeah, you went out with Jenny Zagrino, I think. That was the same to go back up to the comedy club that's opening. Yeah, those were great. Uh, Seattle audiences are so smart. And being able to do shows in person with folks again was just, it's fantastic. Like I was joking with people, like, if you don't laugh, I can't lie to myself and say that you were muted. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's really nice uh, to be able to engage with people because in the Zoom, you can't really, it's it's very, very, very difficult to do crowd work on Zoom unless you have somebody who's an amazing producer that can pull open the the image of the person you're talking about. <laughs> you mm-hmm. can do a side-by-side comparison. But it just, it feels like you're, it just, it just, it feels more natural. And it feels like it's obviously the way the art form was supposed to be like executed and created and performed mm-hmm. that way. Uh, I I would just say it felt like a homecoming and it felt so good to be able to also be in the back of the room and mm-hmm. to watch my friend change her setup night after night and to, to just connect and to have that green room type setting again, because all of those are the camaraderies that are really affiliated with comedy And I love that so much. And it's really, really hard to get that in a Zoom show. Yeah. And you like the other comics, they're not hearing you laugh in a Zoom. And sometimes, sometimes like I know a joke is doing even better if my best friend in the back is laughing. So like Mm -hmm. I value her opinion sometimes maybe more than others. (laughs) So like Yeah. Yeah. That all felt good. You were saying you brought it up a little bit before about the change in perspective, becoming a parent. Um, Mm -hmm. And you said now you're able to do material about that experience. It's a very big and new experience that you've gone through. Do you think it becoming a parent just changes the perspective on what you want to do comedy about or I, I guess, is there something more than like to change your perspective more than just now you have, you know, that direct experience to have material about being a parent? Does it change it any more than that? Well, I mean, I'm still, I, I'm not going to censor myself with like curse words or like what I talk about as much. Like that's mm. not uh, what I mean by that but a lot of my jokes are about my family and what I'm observing and an exaggeration of those things. And when you're around a baby 24 seven, it's going to be a lot different than I went to brunch with these bitches. Like just like, yeah, like it's different gonna, stimuli. To yeah. Think I mean, about. also I would never do a joke like that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be on my bingo card. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Just, like all the craziness too of of like giving birth that entire experience i i did a lot of jokes about that if only to also remind myself of what i went through 
which was very traumatizing. And to be like, hey, you're going to tell these jokes for a few months because you're not going to go get pregnant again like your hormones are telling you. (laughs) (laughs) Every night you're going to remember, oh, this was awful. Mm. (laughs) But she is great. This was awful. Uh, Because there was a moment where I looked at my husband, Don, I was like, should we have another one? And he was like, are you crazy? Because your brain really does make you forget about how horrible everything was in a way to try to further the species. It's like, no, we're overpopulated. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) And then I imagine that everything's so much harder to then plan going, doing sets, open mics and things, which sounds like you're making it work how you... Ken, do you think that thing in the time you've been doing comedy, things have gotten more inclusive of uh, parents being able to do it, especially mothers, like women being able to do mm-hmm. it? I've heard uh, people on the podcast have said different things. Some people said that, that people seem to be a little more accommodating and understanding, like, I want to go early, like I have a kid at home, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, I have experienced that. Uh, I will say that I'm a little bit more concerned about covid and things because mm-hmm. my daughter is seven months old she can't get the vaccine so if i were to bring something home you know the risk factor is very concerning to me so when i have a show that's largely indoors and i'm wearing a mask people are understanding they get that i i'm it's like i'm, I'm wearing a mask for two <laughs> yeah and um one show in particular the entire show was indoors, but they had a lovely outdoor patio. And I was like, do you mind? I usually love to sit and support the show, but because of this, the circumstances we're in, do you mind if I just sit out and wait for my, my set? Oh, yeah. Is that okay? Mm. And folks get it. Like when you tell them that you, at least so far for me, when you tell them, yeah, I have a kid, uh, I have a baby in particular, They've been pretty accommodating, which has been really nice. I also uh, was very nervous about getting shows. Uh, so I actually created a Facebook moms group uh-huh. <laughs> to try to get advice and figure things out a little bit more. Um, I'm still kind of learning about it. I'm still very nervous uh, about just doing too many live shows because there are a ton of people who are just unmasked and... I don't know, like a friend of mine just got COVID and they're vaccinated and I just, I I can't risk it Mm -hmm. because I, I, I like just watching my daughter get a vaccine shot for the normal items like measles and mumps and stuff. I, I can't imagine the pain of watching her actually get sick. Right. So that's always weighing very heavily on me. So I'm usually wearing a mask or two masks when I'm out, but I am very grateful too. on top of that, that clubs, at least here in LA are starting to impose like, Hey, we need your vaccination card. So at least those that I see that are unmasked, I'm like, okay, well you're vaccinated. I don't know if you have the booster. I don't know if you have that trash Johnson and Johnson one, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, it's a little we're, better. We're putting a lot of faith in a lot of systems that were just kind of thrown out to handle it and that and it was all voluntary and i'm very uh my views on personal freedoms and everything are very different now having come through all this where i'm like i wish this were mandatory 
I understand why people are afraid of that concept, but you kind of need this one. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, the other kind of like thing that has changed and you're able to go back and do though, you mentioned before going to the new Beverly or maybe looking forward to go to the Vista theater and stuff. What have you felt about going back to the theater? Cause I know that's a very big uh, part of your life with the horror movies and stuff. Yeah. Um, that has been, I would say that has been one of the most fun parts um, of just things opening up again outside of comedy is just being able to, that's become like a second family. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like I know too many people that are there. Like Pat and Oswald did a book about basically the new Beverly a couple mm. years back and how he would do that after most of his shows and tapings. I'm like, Oh no, I am also drawn to the allure of the new Beverly and it's mm. taking up way too much time. <laughs> My husband that's and not I, his, that's not his, um, like spaceship zombies, not that book. Right. That's more about him growing up, I think, but it's uh, ooh, actually, Jen is reaching for a book on one. the shelf. Yep. <laughs> I just took it off the shelf. Uh, silver screen fiend. Mm, uh, okay. Yeah. I want to check that it does out. Been... Reference zombie spaceship wasteland appear. Oh yeah. <laughs> he had this funny way of um categorizing like what kind of nerd people were if they were a zombie spaceship or wasteland. I think that's a that's a good uh comedy book. I've been trying to explore more books written by comics. <laughs> but I'm also just noticing all of the really nice like film books and stuff be oh wow it gets bigger. <laughs> Jen tilted yeah. the camera in some directions. Yeah. You know these what, are Jen? My husband's books. You know what? You're gonna move all that pretty soon. And I just I moved all I'm a I'm a historian. I just moved all of my books. Sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh we are now almost in our 40s. So we are paying movers to do that. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will box everything. Uh, but yeah, there's, I have a herniated disc. I'm, I have a seven month old. Like I, I, I can't imagine oh, yeah, putting her back in play and running up and down the stairs with boxes and be like, hope you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> Each successive time you carry a 50 pound box, like near them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that just seems awful <laughs> like, mm. or put her in like the baby bjorn like i hope i'm not suffocating you with this box of books yeah <laughs> just yeah but definitely plus one the movers are worth it well let's see do you want do you have things coming up to plug you also said you're kind of taking a break here to wait to see what covid does Right now, I embarrassingly don't have anything to plug. I've been asked to do a couple shows, um, but with the Zoom shows in particular, because I have a baby Mm -hmm. and I've been looking for a house, I haven't written as much as I'd like to in the last month. So when I do a Zoom show, I like to come in with new material because I feel like the Zoom audiences are very focused. (laughs) They they know your jokes very well. Mm. (laughs) And if you come and you're doing the same jokes, I feel almost like you become a cover band of yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. Well, people should check out everything is scary. I've been writing more. I've been taking some, uh, some writing classes. So I've been, uh, doing some freelances and writing about like how not to have a meltdown during the holidays and how oh. not to have your heart broken in the LA real estate market. Just yes. things I'm personally dealing with. Yeah. Jen wrote a piece on media on medium, right? 
yeah. about how to not get your heart broken in the LA housing market, which is crazy. Um, and there were very helpful tips in there. I was just going through that process at the end of it when you put it out and I nodded along with it a lot. Like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I should have just reached out to you and said, you did it. Wow. And why? <laughs> what other tips do you have? <laughs> well, off mic, I have a lot of tips about the next steps that come up. But um, yeah, everybody should check out Everything is Scary. And Jen, what's your social media handles at Jen Saunderson on all the yeah, things? Yeah, they're at, they're at Jen Saunderson. I, I'm just nervous because I, I can hear my husband actively flossing. <laughs> Is that always a sign of trouble? (laughs) No, no, no. I was like, can everybody hear him? Like, no, you're good. Spool going and taking it off and like (laughs) click, 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 click through all the teeth. We cannot pick it up on the mic. It would be good ASMR. Okay, I think that would be awful. Yes, I, I have everything is scary. Did I just mom brain? <laughs> no, I just need to figure out. Oh, and you're at Jen Saunderson on all the things. Yep. And yeah, I'll put, um, I will tag everything is scary and all of that in this show post. So yeah, thank you so much for making time when you're super, super busy, Jen. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I'm doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Don't Sit in the Front. Please rate and subscribe and leave me a review. You can follow the show on Twitter with the handle don't underscore sit or don't sit in the front, all one word, on Instagram. Our music is composed by Chris Helking and our cover art is provided by Memory Bloom Studio. Thank you so much for listening and just remember to always punch up and keep swinging.